Welcome to the Outpouring Orlando Sermon Podcast. We exist to help people grow in Christ, share the gospel, and serve the community. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Wow, thank you guys. Uh, please have a seat. Um, man, uh, I, I got to let you guys know I uh, count it a great privilege to be here with you this morning. As uh, Pastor John just said, uh, I've known uh, he and his wife for a few years now. I interface with him far more than, uh, than uh, you, Miss Daniels. But, uh, uh, man, I love these guys. And I love just uh, catching up in the back room with them and hearing their heart uh, for you and for this area and what they long to see God do. And I got to let you know, man, I love the local church. I eat, sleep, and breathe the local church to me. That is where it's at. And, and so the uh, incredible privilege that I have here this morning to just be a part of what God is doing here at the outpouring, I, I love this. Uh, this is, is, is an honor for me. So uh, thanks for having me out. This is round two. You had me back. It must not have gone too horribly bad last time. And so, hey, uh, I, I made it back for round two. All right. Uh, anyone in here grow up watching Popeye? You remember Popeye? Yeah, you remember Popeye? Like, Popeye was a very interesting cartoon. So you, you really have three main characters, all right? So you've got Popeye, you've got olive oil, and then there's Bluto, or I think it was later on in the cartoon as it unwound a little bit, then there was Brutus. I think they called him that. And, and so basically three, Popeye, olive oil, uh, Bluto or Brutus, whichever you want to go, uh, you know, you, if it's older, it was Bluto, newer Brutus. But anyway, they, uh, he, here's how typically Popeye would unfold. Uh, Popeye's over here minding his own business, doing his life, uh, trying to just kind of carry out Sailor Man, right? Just an average guy. And then you got olive oil over here doing something. And sometimes uh, Popeye's trying to get her attention. Other times she's trying to get his. And, and then uh, Bluto Brutus comes along and he starts, you know, giving olive oil a hard time upon which Popeye sees that and he doesn't want to have anything to do with that going down. And so what he does is he kind of has this uh, thing that happens in his, his life where when he has something he sees that is like out of change, he says the, the, uh, the statement that he always launches out, that's all I can stands and I can't stands no more. You remember that? You remember that? Like that's all I can stands. That's all, yeah, I can't stands no more. And so what he would do is just kind of crush a can of spinach. It would eat him. His arms would get really big. He would go take care of a Bluto Brutus who was, you know, given olive oil a hard time, rescue her. All was right with the world. Everything kind of uh, wrapped up in that cartoon until the next one. And then they played that over and over and over again. And, and what's so unique about this, what I have found as I think about that, you know, what does that have to do with anything of why we're here this morning? It's remarkably uh, similar to what happens in our spiritual life. It is. It's remarkably similar to what happens in our journey as we walk with Jesus. We, we've all had those moments in life where we hear something from the Bible We've all had those moments where we uh, listen to a message, we go to a conference, hear something, uh, see somebody who lays their life on the line for the sake of the, the gospel, and we're inspired because we see that, that, that we're living right here. You know, we're, we're in this space where we're doing life here, but we see God is doing something over here. And we're like, oh, I, I guess if I'm going to move from here to there, something has to change. 
Something has to be different here. And if we're not careful, what can ever so subtly happen when we come into a space where we take the Word of God or come into a place where we're in a gathering with, uh, like we're in this morning, go to a conference, see somebody lay it on the line. If we're not careful, what can happen is we can see where we're at. We can see where God is moving. And ever so subtly, what we can do is we can feel convicted. And we'll stay there. We'll stay there because it's like, oh, well, if I'm here and God's over here moving and he's inviting me to this new level of living, I can feel convicted where I'm at. And watch this, guys. You can settle for a religious moment. You can settle for a religious moment there and, and stop right there and nothing really changes. Nothing really happens. It's just kind of the same old, same old. But you felt convicted. You can walk out these doors on a weekly basis and you can feel convicted. But every now and again, every now and again, you get to that point, just like Popeye did, where the, you're like, that's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. Like, I cannot stay here. This is not what God has for me but that he has more. He is inviting me in on this journey to walk with Jesus, to know him, to, to do what he has called us to do. Right? We, we, we measure that. And, and that, that all I can stand is I can't stand no more. And you finally do something about it. Then you actually push past conviction. You move from this space and you move towards transformation, which is where God is constantly wooing us and inviting us into. And that's right at the heart of what I want to talk to you guys about this morning, to invite all of us on this journey to experience uh, what it looks like to drive to the very heart of Jesus and look at what he has to say as his story unfolds and you and I become what he is inviting us into, this life of obedience, this life of surrender, this life of moving from this space to a new space that he invites us to. And, and check this out, as we move to that space, guess what? We don't stay there because then that space becomes this space that then he moves on to another level and he woos us into that space because there's always more to go and to learn as we seek to obey what he has called us into. But in order for that to happen, in order for that to take place in our life, Jesus makes it very clear how that is supposed to go down. In Matthew chapter 28, we have what is called the Great Commission. I know you talk about that. I know your pastor well enough that you guys know the Great Commission, right? Jesus launches out in verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's an important statement for Jesus to say that. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. He's essentially saying, guys, all things in heaven and on earth are at my disposal to accomplish the mission that I'm about to unload. As a paraphrase, like a modern translation. Like, I've got all of this at my disposal, and I want you to know what that is as I get ready to launch out that mission. And as followers of Jesus, we want to be willingly submitted to that, right? Yeah, are we with that? Everybody in there? Don't we want to be willingly submitted to that? Not forced into it, like, you will do this. No, that's not what Jesus is inviting us into. He has said, like, no, there is something that I'm doing and I'm inviting you into that story. 
I am inviting you into the story that I am writing, and you get to play a vital role in that, even though he doesn't need us. He does not need us. Nobody in here is a necessary item in the plan and purpose of God, but check this out. You are invited in. I am invited in for some crazy reason. He says, I've got a lot to do. And even though you and I often kind of gunk it up, right? We're like, ah, we're slowing everything down. But for some reason, he handed the baton off to us so we could run the race in this generation. That's what we've been invited into. I don't know why he did it, but he did it. And, And so we need to be willingly submitted to that. So he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then right on the heels of letting us know that he has keys to the kingdom, Jesus says this, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and I am with you till the very end of the age. So he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. He said that, verse 18. And with that, here's what he says. So what I want you to do is I want you to go. So what he says after that, I can do whatever I want. Here's what I want you to do. Whatever he says after that, super important to grab hold of. So what does he say? Go and do what? Make disciples. Make disciples. And so what we see right there, we see that discipleship is right at the heart of God. Right at the center of it. It's what he has been doing. It's what he is doing right now in our generation. And check this out. It's what he invites us into as we continue to move forward. Discipleship is right at the heart of the plans and purposes of God. He's not making it difficult to understand, is he? It's pretty straightforward, right? This is not like, whoa, I never saw that. It's pretty straightforward. It speaks very clearly to us. And so what we've been invited into with however many years that we have on this crazy planet called planet Earth, whatever years we have here is to engage in this lifelong journey to both know God and to make him known. Okay, to know him and to make him known because that's what a disciple is all about. A disciple wants to know their Savior. Like, you know, tell me more, Jesus. Give me more of who you are. Show me what you would have for me. What does it mean to follow you deeply? What does it mean to take what you say in your word and actually apply that? Like, tell me what you want from me, and that's what I want to go do. To know him and then to make him known that it does not stay with us. It is not just we're the end point. This is not all about us, as we'll discuss in a sec here. Because that's what a disciple is all about, to know God and to make him known. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not about religious activities. It's not about filling our head with all this Bible knowledge, even though some of those things will happen. But it's not about that. It's an identity that you and I are taking on as we walk in step with the Spirit of God. That's what, that's what a disciple is all about. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk to you guys about the biblical story and how that applies to what I've uh, kind of talked through so far. And, and a good place to start would be like, what does the biblical story have to do with being a, a student 
of Jesus. Because that's what a disciple is. Disciple literally means student, learner. Like what is that, what does understanding the biblical story have to do with anything in regards to being a student or a disciple? Someone who's all in on knowing God and making him known. What does that have to do with it? Well, here's what I mean by biblical story. I'm talking about the whole span of the counsel of this book right here. All right, the Bible, the whole span from the very first word in Genesis to the very last word in Revelation, the biblical story. Why would we need to know that as a student of Jesus? Well, here, simply put, here's what, where I, I've settled on this. Simply put, here's where it is. Every single story this world has ever known, every story this world has ever known, every story that's ever been written, is being written, will ever be written, every single story has a main character, right? There's somebody in there that's like, oh, well, this is what the story's about. And that's, everything centers around that character that's developed, uh, the plot line, everything just centers on that character. And so the Bible here, guys, the story of the Bible is no exception, none whatsoever. The Bible has a main character right at the center, and that main character is God. More specifically, though, Jesus Christ, as God has revealed himself as God the Son, and, and through his life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and return, that's what the biblical story is all about. From page one in Genesis, final world, uh, word in Revelation, the overarching story is about Jesus. And the more time we spend in the book and grab hold of that narrative, the better off we are. The better off we are. And that's essential because here's what can ever so subtly happen. This easily happens. You and I can peel through the pages of this book we can take some of the familiar stories that are great to be familiar with. Some of the, the really popular stories, some of the things that you know we put on t-shirts and coffee mugs and things we slap onto banners. Like we can take all of that stuff, we can take all of that and somehow in there think that those things are in there to inspire you and inspire me to become better versions of ourselves. You can read it, right? You can read it like that. That's happened to me before. I'll, I'll be honest, man. We can think like, I can take this and I can put on the eye of the tiger. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to take care of business. I'm going to punch sin in the throat. You know, I'm going to get all motivated. I can handle this. I'm an overcomer. Everything in here is going to help me tackle this as if you, me, that us are the center of the story. That we are it. So when life kicks us around, oh, I got to find something, you know, when we're trying to like, oh, I need to, you know, I don't know what to get people for Christmas, you know. Oh, there's a verse. I'll put that on a t-shirt. My family gets a t-shirt, you know. And, and so we get all amped up about stuff like that, thinking, oh, I just need this to inspire me, to help me to become a better version of Dave or fill in your name uh, in that blank. But can I bring us back to reality for just a second? We are the ones who needed to be rescued. It was us. We are the ones who needed to be rescued. We don't have enough in our spiritual tank. We don't have enough fuel to get out of the mess that we're in. 
We don't. We just cannot take care of it on our own. We are the ones who needed a Savior to deliver us from Satan, sin, death, hell, and to fully absorb the wrath of God because we didn't have enough to take care of that. And when we see that, when we see that this biblical story as a learner, as a student, as a disciple of Jesus, that it's all about Him, and we center everything on Him, we see that that big story all of the time, it's like putting the spotlight right on Jesus all the time. That when we gather together, when we read the Bible, that when we uh, go to a conference and hear other speakers speak about who Jesus is and what he has done, that it's always about Jesus getting all of the award, all of the accolade, all of the fame, all of the glory. It's all about him. And if you hear anything different, run. Get out of there. That is not of help to you. And it's not of help to me. And it might inspire you, and you might hear some things that you can be a better person, but Jesus did not come to make us a better person. He came to rescue us, and in that rescue, we are invited into a different life, and you and I will change. But his primary purpose is to glorify himself and to make himself known. And when we see him and we are transformed into his likeness, it's not so much like, wow, look at what happened to so-and-so, but it's like, I know so-and-so. And they were pretty messed up. And God rescued them. And they are different. They think different. They act different. Their heartbeats were different things. That says more about God than it does about us. And so we have been invited into that space to walk in, to know him, and to make sure that all of the accolade, the award, the, all of the focus is on him and not ourselves. And we've got to get that. And the only way that that is going to take root in our lives is when we become students of his word. When we become a learner of what is in here, where we consume the Bible. And, and, and we can't miss this, guys, because it's in this book. It's in this book that disciples are born, that faith is, is preserved and followers are sustained. It is, it is an uh, amazing book. It's all right there. And what's scary, as I sit with different church leaders, as I have for years... I've sat with different church leaders. I read about, uh, you know, different things that are going on in the world. And what keeps happening over and over and over are stories coming back where people, pastors in, in the world, uh, that, that basically hearing that the church worldwide is there are way too few followers who have an idea of the biblical story being all about Jesus. That many people have settled on, well, this is going to help me. What's in it for me? How is this going to, you know, benefit me? And it becomes about them. And so a bunch of pastors are walking around going, man, they're missing the biblical story. And so as a result, when we don't have a firm grasp of the biblical story, we don't take our, our, our bucket and go to the well that God is and drop it down and, and drink deeply of his wisdom and his insight and his love and his care for us. We miss that. We can miss that. And, and ever so subtly not realize that the Bible continually reminds us that God has made himself known. He's, making, he's not hard to find. And he makes his will known. He, 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 he conveys his plans and purposes throughout the pages of Scripture so the sooner, as a learner, as a disciple, because remember, that's right at the core, 
at the, right at the core of discipleship, like that's what he wants for us. So right at the core of that, now we're invited to this understanding the biblical stories about him and him alone and making sure that when we know him, that then we take that second step and also make him known. So we don't dig into the book, right? So we're like, oh, I hear there's Bible, biblical trivial pursuit. Like, I'm going to finally win something. You know, it's not about impressing people where you're like, man, I, I, I better read something here. So when I go to the church tonight to pray or I'm going to go to the Bible study tonight, I'm going to talk about stuff. So I better have something in my back pocket, you know, so I better read up here. And it's like, oh, it's like that time in Jeremiah where, you know, you know, and we just because you just read it like five minutes before you go. So you had something that you could pull out and go, yeah, I play that game, too. You know, like we can get there, but it's not about playing games here. It's not about impressing somebody in some Christian gathering or somehow thinking that when we do participate in uh, just studying and learning and growing in what the Bible says, that that, that somehow kind of tilts God's favor our way. You know, I did some good. Can you see? Like, I, I mean business here. Like, I'm trying. I'm trying. It doesn't do that. Or what are, whatever else you might do, because we do play a lot of games. We do play a lot of games. And he's, not, he's like, no, 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 I'm not into that. I'm not into that. This amazing gift called the Bible, understanding this book and understanding the narrative, and diving into the, the story from where it starts to where it ends and understanding it's centered on, built on, and it's from, for, and through Jesus. That when we understand that, we understand it's not just here to inform here. It's not just here to inform here. It's also an invitation to be involved in it. It, it is an unfolding story. And now we get a chance to participate. A participant in what God is doing. Jesus would ask, was asked this in Matthew chapter 22. He, in verse 6, said, teacher, some guys, some religious leaders, smart guys. They're like, hey, let's, let's see if we can snag Jesus. Let's get him trapped here. Let's trick him. You know, we'll fool him. We'll finally show all these jokers out here. They're following around. We'll show them that this guy's not the real deal. Let's trick him. Let's get him. Let's, let's do this publicly. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And you can just see them like, <laughs> You know, like, oh, we got it, we got it. He's never going to be answered. Because they had, had they set up fences to protect him from the, the, the law. And then they put a fence around the fence to protect the fence from the law. And then another fence around that fence. They had all of these, I, I, somewhere around 600 some odd laws to protect them from the laws. So they were like, ha, 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 which one's the most important? You know, they're so smart, so clever. Jesus. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment and the second's like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. All of them. Not some of them. Not the ones you like. Not the ones that are meaningful to you. All of them. And then the guys are like, good answer. You know, <laughs> We'll live with that one, right? Like all of the law and prophets, like love God, love people. Know him, get to know him, walk with him, journey with him, submit to him, obey him, journey with him. Walk in that space together. Know him. And then as you know him, the great privilege is that now you get to step into the story. 
participate in the story by making him known. So what you have experienced about God, now you have the great privilege as a disciple, a learner, a student, is to now go out into the world and to make him known, to become a participant, to know him and to make him known. That's when it happens over and over again, because as you move from where you are to where God is inviting you to pour into somebody else, right? So you've grown, you've understood these things about God. You're not the end result. Jesus is the central character. It's to make him known. So you take what, you're, uh, what you know, and then you make that known to somebody who's in your sphere of influence. Wherever that may be, maybe your family, maybe a roommate, maybe a, 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 another friend, it may be somebody you work with, it may be somebody whose path you cross regularly. You're like, man, I've learned some really cool things about Jesus, and I'm walking with him, and I'm learning some things, and it's blowing my mind, and I want to tell you about it. And then they hear about it, and guess what happens for them? Then they know God. They get to see who he is. They get to experience him. They understand that it's about him. And then their life starts changing. And then they're in that, you know, like, oh, I'm here, but he's inviting me here. And they get to get to that point where it's like, all right, that's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. Something has to change. I need to move from here to here. And then they understand that they now know God. And they're like, oh, I got to tell somebody else what I'm learning. Because that's what we do. That's what we do. And then that goes on and on and on. If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 24. You might have said, when's he going to open a Bible? You know, like I, I've quoted a few things, but let's journey through this story uh, as, we, uh, as we move through today. The story starts, like the, the story of God, it starts here. It, we continue to journey through here. It ends here. It's all about Jesus, central key, uh, figure. He's the one, the main character. It's all about him. And so as we understand that biblical story, to know him in this book and then to participate in the story as God continues to unfold his plans and purposes in our generation. Uh, when you get to Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13, uh, some interesting things go down. It's one of my favorite stories in, in all of Scripture here. You have a couple guys who are journeying away from Jerusalem. They're going, I guess, probably going back home. And it's a, to a town called Emmaus. Emmaus is about seven miles away from, uh, from Jerusalem. So about from here to downtown. You know what I mean? So about from here to downtown. So they're walking. And it's hot, dusty. They're like, man, you know what's gone on? All this stuff happened in Jerusalem. We thought Jesus was the one. And then, you know, they're just talking about all that happened in Jerusalem, all that happened with his, uh, uh, with his uh, uh, crucifixion, all that happened as the early disciples then went out to his grave, all that happened when some of the women came back to the disciples and said, he's not there. We saw some angels and they said he was alive. And they were like, what? And then they ran out. So they were in this, this pocket of people that had understood a little bit more of the story of Jesus and all that had been going on. So they're having this conversation about Jesus and all of these things. And then Jesus shows up and he starts walking behind them. And, and so we see that happening in 13 and following. So it's like Jesus shows up, walks behind them, and, he, and he's like, hey, what's going on? And all the time, he's got, like, got the name badge, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. He covers it up. He's like, hey, what, what are you guys doing? Like, what's going on around here? And they're like, what, have you been living under a rock these last few days? Like, do you not know what has happened back there in this city? I mean, this happened, I mean, this guy, and we thought he was the one, and this all happened. They unpack all that had transpired in the previous few days. 
And then we get this. Let's go down to verse 25. This is Jesus' words. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. That's super encouraging, right? You're like, wait, I thought you were here to point us in the right. Like, it seems kind of like, oh, heavy. All, like, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And check this out. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning who? Himself. Why would he do that? Because he is the central figure. He is the main character. He is the one that we're after here. Let's go a little deeper. Romans 10, 17 says this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. That's where faith, so we hear this, but it's from the word of Christ. I mean, look what's going on. This is what makes sense right here, what we just read there. He marched them through from Moses to all the prophets, things concerning himself. It makes sense that he would march through scripture to introduce those guys to himself because it's all about him. He's the central uh, figure. You got, um, if there is ever a chance in an eternity, on the other side of eternity, man, and we get to watch some HD footage of stuff going down, there's stuff that I want to watch, all right? I, I want to watch a, a bunch of different things that have transpired as I read through the Bible. This is one of them. I would love to see what it's like to just walk with Jesus and see him unpack all of the Old Testament and point it back to himself. Would that not be like the most amazing Bible study ever? Like Jesus himself, like, yeah, here's what's going on. Imagine walking with Jesus and he walks you through the Old Testament. New Testament hasn't been written yet. And he walks you through the Old Testament. He says, let's start in Genesis. That's me. Let's go to Exodus. Passover, me. You know, Isaiah, me, me, me. You know, and he just keeps going through. And it's like, that was about me. This pointed to me. This helped awaken people's soul to me. I was, the way, I was the one, the Savior, that everyone was awaiting. I am Him. And so, let's go. And so, just could you imagine Him just going through and connecting all of the promises to Himself? I want to see that. I want to hear that. And then, uh, they, they keep journeying on. They keep walking along the path. Uh, they have dinner with Him. And then He breaks the bread. And as He breaks the bread... You know, like all of a sudden they like, it's him. And then, bam, he disappears. He's gone, you know. And then they run back to the early disciples. They head back to Jerusalem. They tell him what's going on. Jesus shows up, has a meal with them. And then he unloads this. Let's go to verse 44. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. See, again, God is not hard. It's not hard to find. I know sometimes it feels that way. Sometimes you pick up your Bible and you're like, where, where is he here? Like, what's going on, God? Uh, in, in situations in life, sometimes it feels like maybe you're kind of going through it alone. But we see here, like, I, I've told you who I am. I have invited you to journey with me. I am not hard to find. We see that right here. I told you these, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms 
must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold, I am sending the promises of my father upon you. And he just unpacks the gospel. He just says, here's who I am. Here's what I have come to do, right? Yeah, it is written, he shall suffer, third day rise from the dead, through repentance, which is just turning away. It's I was headed this way, and I turned away from that, and I turned to God. Like, I'm not doing that anymore, whatever that is. I'm, I'm turning fully to God. That's repentance. So, uh, and, in the na- uh, and, and then uh, forgiveness of sins, that he offers us forgiveness when we go to him, and we find it in him. It's not through going and being good, trying really hard, reading the Bible, checking the boxes, doing good Christian-y things. No, it's going to him and saying, all right, you can have all of my junk. All of it. There it is. And it's all that. And then we walk in freedom and life because he takes the brunt of the, of the sin. He takes the pain. He, he paid for that on the cross a few thousand years ago. When you and I, we deserved it, so he took what we deserve on himself, fully absorbed the wrath of God, and now through faith in him and him alone, we walk in freedom and life. We don't deserve it, but he, he has paid the price. And when he was on the cross and said, it is finished, he wasn't saying, oh, I'm going to die. It's actually an accounting term that says paid in full. Paid in full. So if your faith is in him, you walk in freedom and life because of what Jesus has done. And nothing you do earns any favor with him whatsoever. He loves you as much as he ever will today. Today. Whether you're a believer or not. Whether you trust in him or not. Like he loves you for you. And I love what one pastor says. He's not uh, in love with a future version of you. He's not. He loves you for you. Now, he does invite you in to give your sin to him so that he can give you life. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we could be the righteousness of God. That's where it's at. Okay, it's on him. He took that payment. So it's not us acting really good and nice. And so what we see here, he unpacks the Old Testament realities and promises tied them to himself, unfolds the story of God, and, and that, that through studying and knowing and seeking Jesus in the, the pages of Scripture, you and I, man, we, can, we can know him. That's what he's saying. You can know me. Know me. Walk with me. Let's do life together. You can know him. And then right on the tails of that, he says in verse 48, right, it says, you are witnesses of these things. Translated, man, You know him, now throw it into gear. Like, get in on some of the fun. Move from where you're at to where he is inviting you. It's not just you're the stopping point. I know God. I've journeyed deeply with him. I've discovered great and unsearchable things in the scriptures about him. Awesome. But you're not the end point. He has sent us. He said, you go and make disciples. The end point is out there somewhere. And we don't know where. But it's our job and our invitation to go. It's our invitation to go. So throw it into gear and get in on uh, some of the fun and watch lives change right before your very eyes as you simply share.
who Jesus is, what he has done. Tell them how he's transformed you. People love to see that the story's working, right? They want to see that the story's working. It's like, is it, if he, he, he can change me, then everybody's got a shot, right? Everybody's got a shot. Uh, let's go to Psalm uh, 145 real quick, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Psalm 145, we can see. So it's not just about us knowing God, but it's, it's about uh, making him known. And in Psalm 145, uh, jumping in at verse 4, here's what Scripture says. Check this out. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. You know what? I, I mean, it's getting, it's, it's getting close to lunchtime, right? It's been a while since you had breakfast. You know, it's kind of that time of day where you're like, as soon as we wrap up here, you know, I'm going to head out to lunch. And it's right about now that, that some people in here are like, man, I'm ready to eat. And, and boop, right in your mind, you can start thinking of a taco. I'm talking like the taco of all time. Like you want to go from here and you go find the taco stand of all your wildest dreams and you go get that taco and you eat that taco and you're like, this is the best stinking taco I have ever eaten in my life. Here's what I know about that, uh, that process. You go eat that taco somewhere. You, you just are like blown away at how good that taco is. Here's what I know about everybody in the room. You're on Instagram. You're on Facebook. You're making a TikTok of it. You're like, look at the taco. Like, this is the most amazing taco I've ever had. You've got to go to XYZ taco stand and get said taco because it is stinking amazing. Go have that taco. Get it while it's hot. Go. Got to be there. So what do we do? Like we advertise that. Guys, it's a stinking taco. You know what I mean? And I'm not disrespecting tacos. I mean, I'm just saying right now, like, I love a good taco as much as the next guy. But here's what I'm saying. Like it's just a taco. How much more? How much more? The story of God. To know that story to marinate in that story, to understand and move from elementary level understanding of that to PhD level like, man, have you guys seen our great and mighty Savior Jesus? How much more to go and let others know of the hope and the life and the freedom and the joy and the mercy and the grace, and the purpose, and the forgiveness, and the peace of our great God, who has unveiled himself in this biblical story, that as disciples, you and I get to pour through the pages of this book, and to know him, and not stop there, but then to participate in that story as this generation moves through that, like we get that privilege, we get that honor to go now and be ambassadors of reconciliation all out there and let people know who he is and what he has done to know him and
to make him known. That is our invitation. So, outpouring church. Have you had all you can stands and you can't stands no more? Are you done staying here? And are you ready to take God up at the invitation to move to a life well lived on mission to know Him and to make Him known? Is that what you want? Do you want to move from just feeling convicted to move to transformation? Is that what your desire is? Then here's what I would challenge you with, encourage you with. Do not go out these doors and try to make it happen on your own because you don't have it in you. You don't. You can't change you. I say this all the time. If you could change you, you already would, right? And you'd write a book and you'd be loaded because everybody would buy that book because nobody can change themselves. We don't do a good job of that. We're already educated beyond our level of obedience. We already know a whole bunch of things that need to happen, and we're not doing it. Why? Because we can't change us. Can't. So here's what I would ask you to do. I would ask you in just a few moments, would you just hang out with God for just a few moments? And would you ask Him to move in you and create in you an insatiable desire for His Word. I'm talking a hunger where you're just like, you get up and you're like, I can't get there fast enough. Throughout the day, you would be drawn to it. He would invite you into the depths of who He is and all that He has. Would you just ask Him for that? Would you ask Him to show you what that next step is. And I don't care where you're at. If you're new to this thing, maybe you showed up here this morning, friend invited you, you thought you were going to breakfast, and here you are. You know, like you're like, what? You know, I thought we were going to get, you know, like I thought we were going to Waffle House. You know, how do, how do we get here? You know, but here you are. And you may be hearing all of this for the first time. God has you here for a reason. You're here for a reason. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for three, four, five years. And there are some things that you, you know, you, you're, you're learning, you're still growing, you're like a sponge kind of soaking all that up. You may have been walking with Jesus since you were a little one. This may be into your 20, 25. You know, I, I don't know where you're at, but wherever you're at on that continuum, it does not matter. Because you will never plumb the depths of Jesus Christ. There is always something else to learn. So... Will you follow him into that space to move from where you are to where he is inviting you to be and take every opportunity that he makes available to help you understand who he is and participate in the story he is writing to make much of him? Because the biblical story is about him. It's for him. And as disciples, when we understand that, then we understand that he has made himself available to be known. And now we can go make him known to generations. So I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to, I'm going to leave it quiet for just a few minutes. And I'm not sure if worship team's coming back up or pastor's going to you know, close it down. But I'm just going to leave it quiet for about one, two minutes. You just hang out with Jesus one-on-one -on -one after I'm done praying. And just ask him for that insatiable desire what the next step looks like to move from conviction into transformation and to ask him what it looks like to know him and then to make him known.
hope you enjoyed today's message. If it was a blessing to you, please consider visiting our website, outpouringorlando.com, to connect with us and to also give financial support. If you are ever in the Orlando area, we would love to serve and worship with you.